This is the Public Speaker. Quick and dirty tips for improving your communication skills with your host, Lisa B. Marshall. One of my listeners, Emily, recently emailed me with a question. She wrote, My company is headquartered in Japan, and I'll be presenting to the research and development department there about the activities at the U.S. branch. Many of the attendees don't speak English, the language in which I'm presenting. Do you have any advice for a good way to help me give the presentation in an understandable way? This week, the podcast is supported by Audible.com. Of course, Audible is the world's leading internet provider of audiobooks. They have over 100,000 titles, and of course, they have fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. And this week, we were using Audible to listen to, what was it called, Tian? Oh, it's called The First 20 Hours. The First 20 Hours, yes, by Jeff Kaufman. And did I get his name wrong? Oh, Josh Kaufman. Is that his name? Oh, okay. So sorry, Josh. Josh Kaufman does The First 20 Hours. So the reason why we downloaded Josh Kaufman's book is because we had listened to the TED Talk Right. Mm -hmm. And on the TED Talk, he was talking about how you can basically gain a skill in about 20 hours. Josh says that it takes 45 minutes a day for 30 days to get good at something. And in the beginning, everything would seem so difficult. But when you get past a certain threshold, everything seems so enjoyable. I really love this book by Josh Kaufman because it really confirms what I believe it takes to learn a new skill. We do these 30-day challenges here where we spend one hour a day learning a new skill in order to advance our business. And I really think that Josh has got a really good idea. So last night, Tim, were you using your sleep timer to listen to Josh? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I love that function. You can use the sleep timer on Audible and you can set it to like 15 minutes or 30 minutes and mm -hmm. you can just let it play and then it'll end or even have it go to the end of a chapter. It's a really great mm -hmm. feature. I love Audible. I love Audible, too. If you'd like to listen to Josh Kaufman's book, The First 20 Hours, you can download that book as part of your free trial, or you can download any audiobook. It'll give you a chance to try out their service. For your free trial, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Lisa. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash Lisa to get your free audiobook. I can relate to Emily's situation. I've given many presentations to non-native speakers of English, both here in the U.S. and abroad, and I've learned through experience. So today I'd like to cover 11 tips that apply when you're speaking to English as Second Language or ESL speakers in their own country. First, speak more slowly. I like to write out cards or sticky notes and place them around me to remind me to slow down. I have big cards that I put up. Most of us speak too quickly when we're nervous, and even native English speakers have trouble understanding when a presenter speaks too quickly. A non-native speaker will quickly be lost and won't be able to catch up. A good pace for this type of presentation is about 100 to 120 words per minute. Next, be sure to repeat your main ideas several times, and when you repeat them, use different words. Your listeners may not understand the first time, but hearing the point stated differently will help to make it clear. For example, you might say, only you can prevent forest fires. Then, after your example or your support, you make that point again, but you use different words. It's up to us to protect our forests from the dangers of fire. Or, when you camp in the forest, make sure you put your fire out completely before you leave. Also, keep in mind, if someone asks you to repeat something, it's best not to repeat the exact same words again. Instead, express the same ideas using different words, of course, this is good advice for native-speaking audiences as well. Next, use commonly known words to make your point. 
I sometimes refer to these as nickel words because growing up I used to be told to use 50 cent words. Clarity is the most important thing. It's more important than creativity or sophistication from my perspective. If you're trying to describe something, let's say, for example, something that's very big, it's fine to just say big or large. Don't use things like humongous, gigantic, or capacious. If you're not sure which are commonly used words, you can just Google commonly used words for a list of words you can use when you're speaking with a non-native English-speaking audience. Next, don't use idioms. Don't suggest back-of-the-envelope calculations or belt tightening or explain that widget XYZ is a cash cow. Learning the meaning of idioms is difficult for anyone learning a second language, and it's likely you'll just be misunderstood. So be as literal as you can with your descriptions. Just this past week, I ran into trouble when I responded, fat chance, to Tian, who's our intern from Thailand. She asked me, is that the same as slim chance? I explained that it meant no chance at all. And she looked at me, what? Slim is some chance, but fat is none? That doesn't make any sense. And of course, I had to agree with her. Next, limit your use of contractions. For non-native speakers, the sounds of a contraction often run together and the word and the meanings are lost. Also, in general, be careful not to let any words run together. When I was learning Spanish, this was something that was very difficult for me. For example, the first few times I heard tabien, I thought it was a new word. And then I only found out later that it was two words, esta bien. And I kept hearing it, tabien, tabien. And finally I realized, oh, it's esta bien, two separate words, which of course means okay in Spanish. Another good idea is to avoid acronyms if possible. I think it's better just to state all the words in the acronym. A non-native speaker may not know that COO is chief operating officer or that QA means quality assurance. And if you absolutely do need to use an acronym, first explain what it is and then be sure the words and the acronym are up on the slide. Next, you want to choose images your audience can relate to. If you're using slides and your audience is diverse, Include images of people from around the globe. If your audience is primarily from one culture, then include images that reflect that culture. For example, I recently presented to a Sino-American pharmaceutical group, and I changed some of my images and examples to include Chinese-Americans that I've worked with in the past. If you're presenting data, be sure to represent using the standard measurements of that country. So miles become kilometers, gallons become liters, etc. If the country you're speaking in practices British English, Use the correct spelling on your slides or handouts. For example, use C-O-L-O-U-R instead of C-L-O-O-R and C-E-N-T-R-E instead of C-E-N-T-E-R. You may also want to substitute British terms for American terms. For example, nappies instead of diapers or the boot instead of the trunk. When I've spoken in another country, I like to start my presentation by saying at least a few words in the first language of the audience even if it's just a very simple greeting. And then, of course, it's important to practice that several times with a native speaker to make sure you get it right. And also, I like to put the words or the phrase on the slide so that the audience knows what I'm trying to say, even if I mispronounce it. Speaking of slides, it's best to provide detailed slides in this type of situation. Normally, I don't suggest handing slides out, out in advance, but if the majority of your audience does not speak English and your presentation is going to be in English, I think it really is best to send the slides with detailed notes ahead of time. And that way, somebody can read it and digest it or translate it if necessary. 
This next one is important. Don't make a typical foreigner tourist mistake. So how do you find out what that is? That's the difficult part. You have to ask. And I think it's best to talk to your country host to find out what to avoid. It's really easy to run into trouble with this. And you'd think lots of gestures are universal, but there are many gestures that are not. For example, pointing your index finger. It has very different meanings in different countries. So if you have a chance, practice the presentation with your host or a colleague who lives in that country, and then ask them to point out anything you say or do that might be offensive or embarrassing. Next, I think it's always good to do some basic cultural research. You want to get a general understanding of the prevailing culture and whatever those cultural norms are. You can review web resources like cyberlink.com or worldbusinessculture.com. You just want to make sure you have an overview of business etiquette, manners, and basic cultural awareness. In Emily's case, I recommended she pick up a book because she'll be working on a long-term basis with her company headquarters in Japan. In the case where you're working with a foreign headquarters, I think it's always best to get as much information as you can about communication, business culture, and practices in that country. Much better to read about the differences than to accidentally make a mistake. Speaking to an audience of non-native English speakers is not as difficult as you might think. Hopefully you'll follow these tips and be prepared to stay afterward to answer any questions or to clarify meanings when you're asked. And by the way, Emily wrote to me after she delivered her presentation, and she told me that the things went really well, and she was looking forward to making more presentations at her headquarters. This is Lisa B. Marshall, the public speaker, helping you to lead, influence, and inspire through better communication. Now that Tian is on board, we're getting much more organized with sending out our weekly newsletter, letting you know about the new podcast as well as the new material that's on lisabmarshall.com and also all the promotions we have running. So if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, you can do that at lisabmarshall.com. And don't forget our sponsor, audible.com. If you'd like to give their service a try, you can go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Lisa to get your free trial. And of course, a free audiobook of your choice. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash Lisa. If you have questions about how to communicate better at work, leave a voicemail at 206-350-7970 or email publicspeaker at quickanddirtytips.com. Sign up for Lisa's newsletter or get information about speeches and workshops by visiting lisabmarshall.com. You can find a transcript of this show and links to connect with Lisa at publicspeaker.quickanddirtytips.com. <laughs>